You are now listening to the Yoga Bliss with Shelly podcast. Good morning, my beautiful friends. Welcome to Yoga Bliss with Shelly. Welcome to the podcast today. I'm so excited because Mercury retrograde is going to be lifting tomorrow, which is huge for me knowing these planetary alignments or misalignments. I don't know if I would say it's an excuse. It is, however, a nice explanation for me to better understand how I have been feeling and coping with life. Today, I really feel compelled to begin this chat and and base this whole podcast on coping with anxiety. As a mama of three and a daughter who is on the autism spectrum, and she has a lot of learning disabilities, a fiery, tempered eight-year-old who already is showing that he has his own anxieties and my kindergartner. So today, my friends, let us unravel how we can cope with anxiety and overwhelm and stress of life. And please, my friends, head over to iTunes and leave the Yoga Bliss with Shelly podcast a five-star review and please leave some words of wisdom or words of encouragement and know that it means the universe to me, my friends. Hello there, my friends. Have you had moments where you felt completely overwhelmed or stressed? Do you live your day in a completely panicked out state? I feel like if you don't say yes, you might be fooling yourself. I feel like I have experienced that most of the population suffers from anxiety And knowing that there are healthy levels of anxiety, because anxiety just is fear, just as sadness and anger. It's one of these natural emotions. However, it can also be a very unhealthy thing. I just on Saturday got the final written up evaluation report for my daughter. And it's been two months since we've had her tested. And it was interesting because when we did the original sit-down report with Dr. Liz, she did share our daughter's learning disabilities, how she has a math and a reading disability, how she has a borderline intellectual disability, and how she is on the autism spectrum. And I've always suspected that my daughter was suffering from anxiety from the way that she explains it to me, it's been happening a lot. And she has these wicked meltdowns when she gets off of school. In the classroom setting, though, this is what how she can explain it. She says her eyes get twitchy, twitchy from side to side. Her head gets super hot. She gets hot and sweaty and she gets a really bad tummy ache and then she gets horrible headaches. And it happens pretty much every day when she's at school. And to me, I I'm me. I am like this self-help mama. I am a yogi. I am always, I'm always wanting to, to help. And I know that I have a lot of tools that can help her and, or anyone. And so that's my thing. And as much as I do try to help her, she does try to push me away. But when we were reading the report, we got the finalized report and it did say that Junie has also and anxiety disorder. And I wasn't surprised to read that. I was just, I was a little bit surprised that I didn't see it in the, or I didn't hear it in the original report. 
but I understand that that day was kind of a, a crazy heavy day, but I have her report right here and it was a, a psychological evaluation and it, here are the diagnosis. I don't know a lot about all of these because I'm, I am new to this, but so her first diagnosis is 299.00 or F84 autism spectrum disorder level one without accompanying intellectual impairment, without accompanying speech impairment. And then the second one is 300.02 in parentheses is F41.1 generalized anxiety disorder. And then the other ones, there's two more, is 315.00 or F81.0, which again, I don't, these don't mean anything to me. Specific learning disorder with impairment in reading. And then the next number is 315.01 F81.2, specific learning dis disorder with impairment in mathematics. And I loved how this evaluation starts out and it, and it points out Junie's strengths. And I think it's so important for us to acknowledge our strengths. And, and even when there are people in our lives who have, you know, such severe disabilities like this, which Junies are, I'm very grateful they're not physical disabilities. They are just mental and comprehensive disabilities. Like I said, though, seeing that the anxiety thing on there, it was another one of these moments where my ego pops in and says, oh my gosh, I gave this to her. I gave her this anxiety and I've always been such a controlling kind of person. It's been just part of my journey. And I went to the park with a mama that has five kiddos and her daughter went to kindergarten with my daughter and she did homeschool with her for three years and she's now back at school. And she was sharing with me how her oldest son is always hollering and shouting and he's always stiff and rigid and they did also an evaluation on him and he did also tests for anxiety disorder and she said it makes sense because I was wondering why is my son such a jerk why is he always so mean to everyone and his way of just shouting get off the couch or stop don't do what you're doing and she had this moment where she was experiencing they went boating with some friends who have a boat and they were they boat every summer and they have two little ones and they were on the boat and they're sitting there and everyone has life jackets on and she said the water was super choppy and bumpy and he was sitting there just freaking out and the one of the little three-year-old daughters was just running up and down the, the deck of the boat and he kept shouting you need to sit down and and he was like a cat scratching into the seat and she was like, buddy, it's okay. You can calm down. It, She does that all the time. And she said her youngest daughter fell asleep. And the only thing she could think of was to say, your job is to sit here and protect your sister and make sure her head doesn't rumble, make sure the sun doesn't shine on her face and make sure she's safe. And she said it was so funny, not funny, but just interesting also observing him, how he was like a hawk over his little sister and he was holding his arms above her and, and making sure she didn't rock and his way of coping with his anxiety. So his fear of being on that boat is yelling and hollering. And I, when she was saying that, I was thinking, oh my gosh, I do that for so many things in my life. I, I don't mean to, but as a parent, sometimes I, 
I definitely can be more harsher toned and I have this tendency to want to control everything, whether it's with myself or my children or with my husband. And my husband doesn't really like it. He doesn't, he doesn't fly with it. And we, we get into a lot of arguments about it. And I have really been learning how to cope with my anxiety that I am experiencing, that I don't want to admit that it's something that kind of dominates me a lot. Yet I have found that through the practice of yoga, it really helps me. And when I can slow down and I can recognize that I am having this bout of anxiety, or I don't even have to define it as that, I can just notice for me that I'm being controlling and noticing that I'm feeling out of control. So my way of getting angry or hollering is that's my way of fixing the situation. And I just feel like an epiphany right now. It's just like this that it's okay to have these feelings. And that for me, I'm not the type to just run and get a drug or a prescription to help it go away. And I am not saying that if you take medication or prescription drugs, if that works for you, I think that is awesome. I know that for me, I need to make sure that I try everything with a holistic approach. And I think that medication can be helpful. I think, however, if it's something that has to be an entire lifetime of taking, that I know that it can be really dangerous. I know that my mom has been taking a prescription since she was a little girl for panic disorders. And she was told if she got off of it, that it would kill her because her system is so used to it. And I think she's now 62. And that's pretty sad that she can't function by herself. And I, I'm grateful for her that she has that help. However, for me, that's not the path that I choose. So for me, I really, I know that the universe has guided me towards this path of spirituality and, and learning how to cope with these anxious feelings. And I've learned how to use the practice of breath and I've learned how to be mindful with my thoughts. And, and I know that it's way different for my daughter because I can tell her to use her breath. I can tell her to, that she can choose a new thought or I can tell her to tense up her body into a ball and exhale or do yoga. And when I'm with her, yes, it can be super helpful. But for me, the the biggest challenge is how can I help my daughter cope with her anxiety? And even my, both of my sons, I, I see it in them and it's not as super unhealthy. I think it's just one of these emotions that they're learning how to figure out how to do without me. But I, I see it in all of my kids and I see it in my husband and his, that he, he identifies it with a stress that how can we as a general society, because here we are as a family of five and I notice it in all five members of my family. I have four sisters. I have, I have three stepbrothers and I notice it in everyone. I, I notice it in parents. I notice it in teachers at school. I notice it in pretty much all children. I mean, there is definitely those few super calm children, but I think we all struggle with this. And last year I was part of this group and it was myself and a soul sister and my other, one of my sisters. And we created a group called the Life Loves You Project. And it was such a powerful group where we went into elementary school, into our children's elementary school. 
and we shared mindfulness practices. We shared coping tools. We allowed the children to know that they have a superpower, whether or not they believe in it or not, that they, everyone has superpowers. And we taught them gratitude and we taught them the power of affirmations with this incredible water study that was performed by this Japanese scientist called Dr. Marasutu Emoto. And he did this incredible study with droplets of water and and knowing the power of positivity with intention, prayer, and thought versus the pos- the power of negativity. And there, this study is so amazing. Just look it up on Google. Just look up Dr. Emoto's water study and you will see the images of powerful, positive words like beautiful and kind and smart and even the word angel. And they're, they look like these beautiful paintings of snowflakes, just these beautiful, like almost just like a frozen, beautiful snowflake frozen in time. And then the words even they use in that study, Adolf Hitler, or I, I want to kill you. I wish you would die. And the water is like corroded and putrid and And that study was so powerful to these kids because our body and the earth's surface is composed of 80 to 60 to 80% water. And so if we're composed of water and what we're saying and what we're thinking and what we're wishing upon ourselves and others and the environment, that is manifesting in our physical forms. And, And to me, so many of that, this is where so much of this overwhelm and this anxiety and this stress comes from. And... It was such a powerful group that we did. And I'm so grateful that we had the opportunity. And we were, I think we touched the lives of about 160 students. We were in their classroom and I'm sure that there was only a handful of kids out of each class. But I would say, I would say every kid grabbed something out of it. I know that they did. And we've had such powerful feedback and the group kind of fell apart when the school wouldn't allow us to have our little ones in the classroom because we all three had little ones and we were volunteering. I mean, we volunteered up to 200 hours worth of, of ours, ourself. And we, we spent $800 on hula hoops because hula hooping and movement and joy was a part of it. And, and anyways, it just kind of got shut down this year, which was a really big bummer. But I keep, I come, I keep coming back to so many of those lessons that we taught the kids and, One of them that was super powerful was we, instead of calling it the inner critic or the ego, we helped the kids identify with it as the inner bully. And we talked about how there's outer bullies and everyone knows what outer bullies are and every kid just resonated with it. And it was so sad because of course every class was like pinpointing a kid. And of course the teacher was like, we're not going to do that. And, and then we brought the awareness to the inner bully and we talked to the kiddos about what the inner bully says and you know that voice inside of our head what does it say it says we're not smart we're stupid we're not attractive enough we're not good looking enough even my nephew in one of the classes last year he was a fifth grader he said sometimes it tells me that I wish I was never born which just makes you well up with tears and it's so sad and so many of these lies that our inner bully teaches us or that we've learned from society, which is such shit. It's, it's so much of this to me, so much of the media and 
what we think we should, could, and would be doing and what we should, could, would look like, if that would make us better, if our life would be better. And there's so much self-doubt and that creates so much stress and so much anxiety. And as a parent, I really encourage any parent or any teacher or any person who is around a child to look at them for who they are and and doing our best to try to to really understand where they're coming from. And I know that anxiety is one of those it is it's a normal emotion and yet it can be in an unhealthy way. And I think it's so important for us as parents and us as this generation, I'm 36 now, I'm kind of, I'm just above the cusp of millennials. I'm not quite a millennial mom. I don't know what my generation is. I know that older generations like my mom and my dad's generation is kind of still trapped. I mean, I know that my dad has a more expansive mind. He's like awesome. But there's so many people of older generations who are still just so stuck in that negative self-talk. And, and even I notice it in my husband and, and even the words that we say to our children. I've been reading Don Miguel's The Four Agreements, this really powerful book. And he talks in the book about how powerful our words are, that we don't really understand how powerful our words are to us and to others. And our psyche, our mind cannot differentiate between us calling someone a bad name or hurtful name and calling it to ourselves. Therefore, when we're saying an unkind thing, we're sending that vibration out to everyone in the space. So if I'm calling my kids, let's say they like to call each other stupid or dummy. So you're dummy. So what they're doing is that is going into their sibling and then bouncing to them and then into everyone in the room. And it feels bad. Just like that water study showed that those mean, hurtful, negative, low vibe words they impact us in negative ways. And unfortunately, it takes so much consciousness. It takes so much presence to lift yourself above that because it is so much easier for us to grab onto those low vibe feelings and emotions. It just is. It's it's easier to get swept under the rug. It's easier to not deal with things. And, and for most of us, it's easier to identify as a victim and... I want for the greater good of all humanity, of all yogis, all moms, all dads, all kids, all all people, that I want everyone to know and mostly know that they can shift, they can shift these low vibe feelings, these victim identifying thoughts that we've been trapped living in a lifetime for. And I know one of the biggest one is I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy of love. I'm not worthy of the job, the promotion. I'm not worthy of living in my best house. Whatever it is, I know that you have them. I have them. My children have them. My husband does. We all struggle with this. And then this transmutes into these feelings of anxiousness or these feelings of being grumpy. I know that for me as a mom, since my daughter was forever born 10 years ago, that nighttime has always been a huge challenge and a huge struggle. And and now that I have more awareness and and more information, I know that a lot of her things were anxiety and I know a lot of it has to do with her different disorders that she has that it makes her really it makes it really hard for her to shut down. It makes it really challenging for her to to slow down her mind 
and and to just be and settle. And I know even with me who does not have any disorders like that, that it can be a huge challenge for me as a mama laying in bed at the end of the night. I know that our minds, they have this tendency at nighttime to grab onto all the bad or all the worry. And something that's so important that I've learned from one of my mentors, Wayne Dyer, is those moments, those five minutes before we go to bed are the most important minutes of the whole day. And you might wonder, why is this, Shelly? Why would you even say that? It's because whatever we're thinking about is coming into our subconscious state of being, which is the state that we're going to roll into when we're asleep. And knowing that our mind is very open and vulnerable even when we're sleeping. So say you fall asleep to the news. Your subconscious mind is open and you are recording all of that information that is on the news or the TV show or the scary movie or whatever that you're watching. And that's, that is what is being recorded into your mind. And believe you me, friends, I used to be a TV and media addict. I'm not kidding. I had a, I had a problem. I really did. And I would watch TV all the time. I grew up on TV. It was how I spent most of my childhood was watching shows and living vicariously through everyone else's life. And after my daughter was born, my husband and I were trying to figure out how to save money. And so we figured if we canceled our Xfinity account, we would save $160. So my husband actually decided to do this and I was livid with him. I was so pissed that he canceled my ability to watch shows, even though we had Netflix which I think at the time was just starting to be, yeah, it was becoming more prominent that it wasn't as much renting the DVDs as you could streamline, which is so crazy to think of now, right? Like how the generations of media has been from like VHSs to DVDs and to Blu-rays and now to just streaming on your TV, which is so cool. I love it. But it also makes it so easy for us to just zone out and live in someone else's life. And so where I was coming from with this was I used to always fall asleep with the TV on in the bedroom. And when I was pregnant with my second, my husband got a night job so he could have insurance and he worked for this blade company, Vestas Blades, and they made those huge wind turbines. And it was fair. It was nothing he loved, but it had insurance so we could have, I wanted to have this home birth and, and long story short, I would fall asleep with Grey's Anatomy every night because it made me feel cozy and it was like my family. And then I started listening to this podcast, the model health show with Sean Stevenson, who's like a sleep expert. And he, he wrote this incredible book called sleep smarter, which if you do struggle with sleep, I really recommend getting a copy of Sean Stevenson's book, Sleep Smarter. I'm pretty sure you can find it on Amazon and also just tune into his podcast if you haven't heard of it. And it was probably four years ago in the beginning, but I'm sure he's had new sleep episodes, but he had a series of three different episodes that kind of were a rundown of his book. So if you're feeling like, I'm not sure about the book, jump over to the model health show and just check out a few of his episodes on sleep. And it really will bring you awareness to the rituals that we do at bedtime. And he's not as much about on the thoughts, but he's about creating a sleep sanctuary and getting all 
media, all phones, all computers out of the bedroom because our mind, right, is like a creature of habit. So we go to the living room. We know that's the place we hang out. We watch movies. We go to the kitchen. It's like a chatty place. We we can still watch TV and do the things. And when you go in your room, the idea is, is that you want your mind to be in like this zen, ready for bed space. If you walk into your room and flip on the TV, your mind's saying, I'm awake. And that blue light is, it's mimicking the sun rays. So that blue light, whether or not you have the blue light glasses or not, it's sending that signal to the mind, to the brain and saying, I'm awake. So you're going to get that second, third, fourth wind of the day, and then it's going to be harder to fall asleep. And I can even resonate with this not having a TV in bed. If I'm doing some edits for my book or scrolling through Instagram or whatever before bed, and then I can't fall asleep, right? Because it's super hard. So Sean Stevenson really helps you understand the space that we sleep in. It's really important for us to have this like sleep sanctuary and also The studies are supporting that we are so shutting down our ability to connect with our partner, if you are in a relationship, that we are so dependent on our phones and people's sex in their relationships is going way underboard because we're putting all of our energy into our devices and we're not even paying attention to the person that we're laying in bed with. And it's so true. I mean, I can... I can totally resonate with this. I've done this before. And my husband is, he is a bedtime phone flipper and it drives me crazy and I have to just let him do his thing, but it still drives me bananas and I don't like it. And it is just really imperative for us to just really, I think, grasp our sleep space and what that looks like for us, because there can be a lot of anxieties in in our bedroom and We want that to be a calm place for us to be in. We want to have a cozy bed. We want to feel good in the space. I've even put, I have plants. I learned from Sean, these sleep plants that create more oxygen in the space. You eliminate all light. You put blackout curtains. And I know at first it sounds like a lot, like, oh my gosh. But once you do it and you transform your room to the sleep sanctuary, it is like night and day. And I mean, there are those human experiences where it's hard to fall asleep, but not as bad as when you have the TV on and and the space is a mess. I do a really good job at, it's so funny, no matter what my house looks like, I always make sure my room is clean and it's really clean and it's really simple. And I make my bed every morning and there's this, this part of our brain that in the morning, if you make your bed, it gives you right away this sense of accomplishment and this sense of self-worth. So that's like a huge thing too. Yeah, I would just say having that sleep space is so important and even for our kiddos. And I know there's a lot of families who, even one of my sisters, she puts her daughter to bed with a movie every night and that's just what she does. And I think she has the information out there, but it's just easier for her to put her daughter down with a a movie. And I, I can understand where people are coming from with that. If there's something as simple as turning off the TV and laying with your child and and helping them cope with these feelings, like how I was teaching in this program and, and whether it's turning on. I know my kids, we like to listen to this piano and water sounds at nighttime. And then I do bedtime affirmations for my kids because like I was saying, those 
that subconscious mind is wide open. And even if it's hard for them to fall asleep or yourself to fall asleep, once you fall asleep, if you put on affirmations, positive, powerful affirmations, I've been doing these gratitude affirmations on YouTube and I pay for the the extra YouTube red because I am a YouTuber with Yoga Bliss with Shelly. So there's no ads. So again, you're not laying there in this subconscious state. And and I know I did just say that no media in the room and um, that can sound a little counter counteractive. So what I do is I turn the phone on and I put it underneath of the door so it's far away enough from the bed because you do also want to give yourself a break from those EMFs, those electromagnetic frequencies that come from our cell phones and our Wi-Fi. So taking that, what is it, like four to eight feet away. So I put it under my kids' doors or I leave their doors. Actually, lately I've been leaving their doors open because their doors are side by side and they share a room too, the boys do. And the affirmations are there in the hall and then they can hear them. And I know that they might not think anything of it, but I know that it's working. And my daughter with all of her issues, she is very confident and she's a very conscious person. I mean, she has her issues with her anxiety, but I believe under my heart of hearts that all of this work that I teach her with gratitude and affirmations and self-love and I've taught my kids, I've been singing this. It's like an affirmational song. I sing it at bedtime to them every night and it goes, I love myself, I love myself, I approve of myself, I approve of myself. I am free to be me. Dee, 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 dee. Harmony and joy and beauty and safety now surround these children. And I've been singing that to them what would I say for like three years? And it was, it's Milo always, mom, why do you sing that song to us? Why do you sing that? I'm like, um, because those are helping you create new thoughts. I don't want to hear your song, mom. So he's always my fighter against things. But I know that I, as an adult, like I have to teach them. It is my dill, dill, what is the word? Diligence. I cannot think of the word. It is, it is my duty as a mama to help them. And Even when they don't want help, I try to back off, but their children and their minds are not always capable of, of coping. And I do still try, I try to give space and I know my kids are getting bigger and bigger. Yeah, it's, it is, it's a a daily struggle and a daily challenge. And it's something that I know that we need to bring as a society, more awareness around compassion, compassion for overwhelm compassion for anxiety, compassion for stress, because stress is the number one killer. It's the number one cause of heart attacks and illnesses. There, It's insane. And I was just reading about that 19% of adults in, in the U.S. have had anxiety disorder in the past year, and that an estimated 31.1% of United States adults experience any kind of anxiety disorder at some times in their lives. And I'm sure that around the planet, it's probably different around the planet. I know America, we are this like fast paced need to do things a certain way. 
And I know there are listeners. I have listeners in many different countries, which I'm so grateful for all of you. I give you so much gratitude, all of you listeners, for tuning in. And and I wonder what it's like in your country. I wonder what levels of anxiety are like for you. Or maybe you don't even know what that is. If you don't, I think you're awesome. And you might be baffled by hearing how in America, people are plagued by this anxiety. And it's it's a mental disorder. And it's something that happens in the mind. And it's like the in yoga, um, some call the mind Maya. And actually, I have a friend who named her daughter Maya. Maya is um, delusion. It's like the delusion of the mind. And it's, yeah, it's just, it's one of those very interesting things. And I know that there are, there are so many things that work for some people and things that don't work for others. And I'm really big into self-care. And I, I believe that if we can learn how to practice self-care, that we can learn how to better take care of ourselves and we can change the planet because we have to start here with ourselves first. It's like, yes, we want to change outside and we want other people to change around us. But the only thing we can do first is change within. So within our heart by coping and learning self-love. And I know that self-love is something that's it's really hard for people. So maybe you can switch that if that doesn't resonate with you. And just learning how to give yourself compassion. And I've done a whole episode on self-compassion. If you haven't listened, I highly recommend hopping over and listening to that. I also highly recommend hopping over to YouTube and Yoga Bliss with Shelly. And there are so many practices, like all of my practices, I pretty much all of them, I incorporate affirmations and, and encourage mindfulness and encourage compassion for how you are, where you are in your body, where you are on your mat, where you are off of your mat. And knowing that it's a practice, it's not a perfect. Coping with anxiety is a practice. It's not a perfect. We're going to have experiences where we can use breath work and it can help root us down and make us feel better. Maybe affirmations are helpful. Maybe we have a singing bowl in the corner and we can we can ring our singing bowl or listen to healing sounds or listen to our favorite song and that can help us feel better. Or I know a lot of people and I even sometimes struggle with this, have that need to, to eat, to, to fill up how we're feeling. To, if we're feeling anxious or overwhelmed, that just eat. And that's also a disorder. It's when we're, when we're eating and we're trying to fill the voids of our emotions and I really encourage just being mindful about that. And when you do things like that, or people drink or do drugs, and be mindful and notice when you do that. And next time, try. Try to do better. Try to do better. And there might be a day where you do worse, and that's okay. And not to judge yourself and just to to continue on your path. And really, I encourage you to communicate with people. So whether it is with a friend or a pet can be awesome because there's no judgment and it's this open, loving source. Communicate with your partner if you have a partner, a friend, a family member, a coworker, or a licensed psychologist or a psychotherapist. I know that gets helpful for so many people. And 
just know that your journey with coping with anxiety or overwhelm or stress or whatever is unique to you. And it's not going to look the same as it looks to me. And maybe there are children in your life that you notice them struggling with this. And I think the first step is, I know the first step is, is bringing awareness and recognizing. So it's, you know, we have something, if we have a problem or an issue in our life, we have to first see it. Because if we don't see it, we're not going to know that there's a need for change. Or even maybe in the back of our mind, we might see it, but we don't want to change because it's hard. Because innately, we resist change. And knowing that, again, it takes time and it is a practice. It's not a perfect and it's going to change and it's going to shift with you because we are like the seasons. We're always growing. We're always shifting. We're always changing. Our temperatures are hot, cold, windy, foggy, rainy, angry. It's We are just humans and we are subject to change at any moment and we can just show up. And I, I just know that in my heart of hearts that when we can come together as community and even things like this, when we can just listen to something that makes us have questions, question society, question our inner voice, that that's huge. These are all little steps and know that no step is too small. I love you, my friends, and I'm so grateful for you and I'm so grateful for this platform with the Yoga Bliss with Shelly podcast and being able to get on here and be in my home creative space and share my words with people and know that I'm grateful for you and know that you matter. And my friends, I just encourage you to just keep keep being you, keep showing up, doing our best to just notice, notice the experience being the noticer and meditation and mindfulness is a huge helpful practice. So if you have never dove into or you've been curious or maybe you do have a daily practice, I encourage you to just keep that curiosity alive. I encourage you to just try. Try and sit with yourself. Close your eyes. Maybe put on some calming music and just take 20 breaths. Or if I know a lot of people that Breath work brings anxiety, and so we don't want to rile that up. And that's when you can use mantra or affirmation. You could just say, slow down, slow down, and just try it. Try it for one minute. Set a timer for one minute. And in one minute, just see what's going on. And then maybe tomorrow, try two. Just try two minutes. And for the next of the week, this rest of this week, go for two minutes and try two minutes every day and see if you can sit with yourself and just allow your emotions. And even if it's painful, just let them come up. And then maybe next week you can move to three minutes and just three minutes. You have three minutes for yourself. And I really encourage you to build it up to five. If you can sit with yourself for five minutes, one of the great sages said that the biggest problem of humanity is that a man cannot sit in a room by themselves because it's so true because people especially nowadays you will not see a person usually sitting by themselves without having to be doing something like on their phone or reading or texting or whatever so know that you get to be in charge of you 
And no matter what the inner voice is telling you or the emotions or the feelings or thoughts are that, that you do have choices and that there are lots of things that you can do to help yourself, my friends. I love you. I think that you are an incredible soul and I'm grateful for you and know that you are smart. You are wise. You are a compassionate being to yourself. You are compassionate to the world. That you are the change that you wish to see in the world. That you are creative. You are knowingness. You are intuitive. You are rooted in your authentic self. And today, go out there, my friends, and be you. Be authentic and be compassionate for where you are. And please, my friends, head over to iTunes and leave a five-star review for the Yoga Bliss with Shelly podcast. It really helps us get seen, heard, and understood more, which is a lovely goal. And I love you, and I will, I will be back here very soon, my friends. I send you a warm, compassionate hug and a knowingness that time is on your side. I love you.